This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, and 88.9 in the Rockford area, Marengo, Harvard, and Beloit. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember always that we're brought to you by you, so any donations that you can make are very important to us. We couldn't do our show or have our program or our radio station without you. If you're able to make a donation, do so now. You can go to our website. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com. And uh, you'll find there how to make a donation and a lot more information about us. Uh, This is the Lenten season, and I think my wife is going to have a few words about it in a minute or two. And I want to mention probably in the next uh, couple of shows, we will be doing some programs concerning Lent. So we'll certainly get to it. Uh, Today, we're going to finish up what we talked about last week. We talked about just war and capital punishment, and I said I would have some comments on also on the issue of fiducia supplicans uh, that's causing quite a ripple in the church. But before we start that, I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn. Hello. We're here in a bright, sunny, cold day, and then it'll be 70-some degrees in the middle of the week. This is really kind of insane, the swing in temperatures. How have you been doing with your Lenten resolutions? Are they better than the New Year's ones? (laughs) John chuckles. Yeah, I have to chuckle, too. We were going to go to Mass every day. I just get too worn out. (laughs) Can't keep it up. And then I feel really guilty. But... We got to keep plugging along. That's what it's like in life. Keep plugging in and starting all over again and asking God to help us. uh, Jesus, help me to see any ways that I need to reconcile with someone or with what I'm doing. That was one of the readings from Meditations in the Word Among Us. And that's true. We have to reconcile what our station in life is and how much time we have, and we have to divvy it up, but never forget to give help and others and to remember why we're here. We're here to serve the Lord, and we need to do the best we can while we're here. And for some of us, time gets shorter the older we get, you know. And you never know. Everybody goes on and on about the uh, end times. Well, the end times for every individual happens when they die. So I wouldn't worry about raptures and all these silly things. You got to think about the here and now. So... Well, Bob, what's your topic today? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, more about, uh, we talked last week about capital punishment and uh, the just war theory and how a Francis's 
that Pope Francis's pronouncement on capital punishment can have an effect on just war theory. So we talked about that last week. And then I got into a little bit uh, about uh, the idea of capital punishment always has been permitted in the church. And it would seem to me that saying that capital punishment, you know, the, the man that wrote the article last week was saying that uh, he was disagreeing with Pope Francis on capital punishment. And of course, uh, if you read uh, any of uh, Pope uh, or, or Pope Benedict's uh, writings, Pope Benedict often mentioned that uh, a person could disagree with the Pope on the issue of capital punishment. And this man that wrote the article last week was disagreeing with the Pope, saying that uh, saying that capital punishment was not permissible would mean also then that uh, it would have an effect on just war theory. And that's what I, I talked about. But I did mention that this week I would finish up a little bit by pointing out how, uh, you know, some people, I, I talked about last week that some people would say that uh, a life sentence gives people more time to to, to, to uh, save their souls, you know, by coming to a conversion and being sorry for what they did. But the fact is, is that uh, if you study the statistics, more people are actually converted when they face the death penalty, when they know it's certain, when they know that they're really going to die in a week or two and uh, that it's real. And they often become remorseful about what they did because they realize how serious the crime is that they committed and they're worried about what's going to happen to them after death. And so they, they come to a remorse for what they've done more often than people who are on death row. I mean, not on death row, but more often than people who are uh, given life sentences. Then I said that I would also uh, show that uh, the capital punishment is a deterrent. So we're going to talk about that real quick. And then we're going to talk about the uh, fiducia supplicans and the ripple that it's causing. I shouldn't say ripple, maybe a tidal wave that it's causing in the church. I'd say it's a tidal wave. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, if you want to read more about capital punishment and uh, whether it's a deterrent and uh, whether it causes more people to uh, repent and, you know, to come to a conversion and uh, remorse for what they did and perhaps save their souls, a good book to read where a lot of this is very, very well done with lots and lots of statistics and by very competent people. It's a book entitled By Man Shall His Blood Be Shed. And uh, that's by Edward Faser, that's F-E-S-E-R, and Joseph M. Bessette, B-E-S-S-E-T-T-E. And it's put out by Ignatius Press. And the title of it, By Man Shall His His by man shall his blood be shed is taken from Genesis 9, 6, where it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And so it's, you know, the idea of capital punishment actually appears in Genesis in the Bible. Uh, and people don't understand a lot of times uh, how capital punishment acts as a deterrent, you know, to capital crimes. Uh and the, there's a good chapter in there that discusses how capital punishment is a deterrent. And it's a deterrent in the same way that it brings people to repentance. Because when you have capital punishment in a society, and that capital punishment is enacted upon and happens, people come over time from the time that they're little. 
they hear the idea of people doing something so horrible and uh, so repugnant that it's actually punished by death. And kids, you know, come to learn that uh, if you do X or Y, you're going to go up the river. And when a crime has a very uh, harsh punishment like that, that calls attention to it and calls attention, you know, to, uh, to lots of people, calls it the, the attention of that crime to lots of people. As you grow up, you begin to, you know, absorb by osmosis almost that certain things are very, very horrible to do. And so bad that uh, men go up the river, they get fried or, you know, they get the chair or, you know, they uh, go up the steps and down the rope, you know, or they're going to they're going to send him up the river and so forth. And he's going to fry. He's going to go down the rope that over time, just like culture and, you know, uh, we wear clothes and we would be, you know, if you suddenly found yourself naked in public without it, you'd be running for cover and everything else because we're just conditioned that way over time. And as people are conditioned from the time that they're small, it isn't only that they would be afraid of having capital punishment done to them. It's that they associate a certain kind of crime with capital punishment and the crime itself becomes something that people just don't do. And so it discourages a lot of people from even thinking about it or resorting to it. It's almost an automatic reaction. And it does have a strong deterrent that way. But that's how capital punishment works. It doesn't work by logic. It doesn't work in a sense that somebody says, oh, goodness gracious, if I pull this trigger, I'm going to go, I'm going to hang. And if I don't pull the trigger, I won't, you know, at the time that they're in a, in a certain situation. It's the fact that they don't get into those situations because they just avoid doing things like that because it's just inherent. It's just inherent in their culture, and they're raised that way. And uh, so, and then we can go back to Thomas Aquinas. I mean, Thomas Aquinas. Yes, he pointed out uh, that capital punishment is permissible, and it's some of the same reasons why it's permissible. At, at you know, and also the fact that. Uh, is biblical and so on. So I won't get into it any further. I just wanted to complete that uh, because we talked about it last week and I said I would explain how capital punishment is a deterrent and uh, it, it works as a very strong deterrent, really, and that's the way it works. It doesn't work over. You, you can't pass uh, a law enacting capital punishment and expect it to have a deterrent effect the next day. It takes time. But at one time, it did in our society because it was acted, enacted pretty often. And uh, that's exactly the impression that people got. And uh, the crimes that were capital were simply considered odious. And uh, most people avoided them, even, even crooks and so forth uh, avoided them simply because it was part of their nature and part of their culture. Any questions on that, Lynn? Or no. You want to add to that in any way? No. Okay. Well, today I'm going to talk about uh, fiducia supplicans, and that's been a very, very uh, strong issue, and uh, I think some of these things really need to be talked about, and uh, so we'll, ad- we'll address them. We were talking about the Pope Francis's, uh, again, his ruling on capital punishment have received a lot of controversy because he said that it, con- you know, that it contradicted the Bible. Well, or rather a contradict is uh, uh, the uh, 
Well, I guess it, I guess it was yeah, the con- contradicted the the Bible. Uh, but at any rate, uh, the fiducia supplicans has also caused an awful lot of controversy. So I want to read an article from uh, the same magazine that I read from last week, First Things, and it's the March 2024 issue. And the article is by the editor, R.R. Reno, who is a Catholic. And the title of it is Rome's Concordat. And a concordat is a treaty that the Vatican makes with uh, uh, usually a government or, or something like that. So, you know, it's generally uh, uh, an agreement. And uh, he's saying Rome is, in effect, establishing a concordat, you know, with the <coughs> secular society that uh, there can be a blessing of uh, same-sex couples, not just this person who is homosexual, but someone who is in a situation where they are actually practicing homosexuality with another person and that those two persons can appear before a priest and be blessed together, and it's causing an awful lot of ripples. So I'm going to read this article here. Rome's Conquered At. Uh, by R.R. Reno, who is the editor of First Things Magazine, and it's the March 2024 issue. It says, A few months ago, I predicted that the Francis Pontificate would seek to establish cordial cordial relations with the Rainbow Reich. Uh, In mid-December, the Vatican issued the declaration Fiducia Supplicans, vindicating my assessment of the present regime in Rome. Uh, its purportedly groundbreaking insights allow the non-ritualized blessings of couples in irregular situations. And the irregular situations is in quotation marks here, meaning that in situations, of course, where they are practicing a practicing couple of homosexuality. And it goes on a category that includes gay couples. In intent and effect, the new teaching offers a fig leaf to the sexual revolution. Cardinal Mueller makes a good case that, even read charitably, fiducia supplicans goes beyond probabilism into error. And Cardinal Mueller, he's a German cardinal, is he not, Lynn? And, yeah. In uh, the Catholic Church. And, uh, very, he, conservative, very conservative, intelligent man. Conservative, intelligent. In fact, he used to be the, I think, uh, was he the one in place of, uh, at one time, uh, of... Uh, that uh, Cardinal Ferdinand's in, in Rome that uh, speaks for the Pope on these oh, issues. Oh, the Dicastery of Faith. Yeah, I think so at mm-hmm. one time. And he goes on, he says, uh, the notion that nothing important is changed by fiducia supplicans ignores ecclesial and social realities. You know, why? Can, how can they say that nothing has changed when you do something that obviously you are changing? I beyond me. Well, I've heard it explained, and I guess it can be explained in a certain way. If you, but you can explain, rationalize, and explain anything away. And a lot of people are agreeing with you and saying that it does change things, whether or not you can explain in some roundabout way that it's it's not supposed to. Uh, it goes on here. It says, uh, "You don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the winds are blowing in this pontificate." And this uh, reference here, you don't need to be a weatherman. Uh, what Reno is referring to here, I think, is he's, he's referring at one time there was a, 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 a the weatherman faction 
of the Students for a Democratic Society. Do you remember that, Lynn? I sure do. And a lot of them were from Chicago. And uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the one guy, and I can't think of his name. But uh, he and a girl from Dwight, Illinois, Bernadine Dorn, were involved in blowing, you know, things up uh, in their, their protests to the war in Vietnam. And uh, I think Bernadine Dorn blew herself up in making a bomb doing that kind of stuff. She and, did. And this other man was involved also. Uh, I can't, I'm not sure. I, I think it was, I, I don't know if it was before that or after that, after he got out of prison uh, with the Acorn, uh, mm-hmm. you know, up in Chicago. Right. Where no pr- Obama. President Obama was involved with it, that uh, uh, neighborhood, uh, you know, I forget what it was called, uh, you know, speaking for, you know, sort of a democratic neighbor, neighborhood uh, spokesman group and so forth and everything. And they were promoting. Yeah, they were they were pretty radical. And Father Pacwa got a little bit mixed up with them and so on. And that's another story. But that's who he's referring to when he says you don't need to be a weatherman, because that's how the weathermen took their name. They were talking about the Vietnam War and the way our society was going. And they said, you don't need to be a weatherman to understand in which way this society is going. And they were talking about the radicalism that the war was causing and, and that they were promoting themselves. Yeah, that so, fits. And so that's what he's doing here. He's saying, in, in effect, he's sort of drawing a parallel there, which is a lot stronger uh, if you understand exactly where that term is coming from. It goes on, it says, Uh, Well, we're going to have to stop here. I'll go on after this. We're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you have some extra time, put those hours to use for the Lord. With Catholic Spirit Radio's growing radio network, we have three new behind-the-scenes volunteer positions. If you're interested, call the station, 309-807-2427. Volunteers are specifically needed for each of these roles. First, an energetic and experienced event manager. Manager is needed to coordinate our spring and fall on-air fundraisers. Give us a call if that's you. Second, Catholic Spirit Radio needs one to two hours every two or three weeks from a volunteer or a team of two for lightweight general cleaning at our normal location. Give us a call if you and a friend are interested. And third, we are in need of one to two spirit liaisons from each of these areas. Rockford, Harvard, Morris, DeKalb, Sycamore, Lincoln, Pontiac, and Clinton. These individuals will assist with informational tables at your local events. Give us a call if you can help out. Become part of our radio mission in 2024. Volunteer at Catholic Spirit Radio. 309-807-2427. Chicago radio personality Kevin Matthews found a broken statue of the Virgin Mary by a dumpster. His life was changed forever. Join us at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Bloomington on Saturday, March 23rd to hear Kevin's life-changing Broken Mary story. Doors open at 11 with a light lunch available at 11.30. This free event starts at 12.30, book signing afterwards. Register on the Holy Trinity website under the Grow in Faith tab or call us at 309-829-2197. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus and Normal. 
Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic. We're back from our break, and we're talking about uh, fiducia supplicans, and I'm reading from an article in First Things Magazine by the editor of First Things Magazine, R.R. Reno, and uh, he's talking about the uh, the problems and the, <laughs> the ripple, I should say, the tidal wave that uh, the pronouncement of fiducia supplicans is causing in the church. And he used that term, you don't need to be a weatherman to know which way the winds are blowing in, in Francis's, our Pope Francis's pontificate. And uh, that, that is a pretty strong statement because when he's referring to the weathermen, as I said, he's referring to a group of very radical people back during the late 1960s and early 1970s, right in that era. And a lot of it was going on right here in Illinois. And as I mentioned, there was a, a lady, a, a girl, Bernadine Dorn, who was from uh, Dwight, Illinois, and she ended up blowing herself up up in Chicago. And the person that I couldn't remember who was with her, his name was Bill Ayers. And uh, he became involved in this uh, neighborhood, uh, you know, sort, sort of uh, uh, group that uh, advocated all kinds of uh, changes and so forth at the local level, advocated, you know, taking power away from the government and getting it for themselves. They were using this kind of thing, uh, you know, pre- pretense at uh, uh, helping uh people down at the lower level of society and so forth to get more power to advance their own power. And uh, it, it turned into Father Pacwa of the Catholic Church, some of you here on, on uh, has his program and so forth on EWTN. And we, you know, have him here on, uh, not shouldn't say here, but we have him on Catholic Spirit Radio as part of EWTN. He became involved with that group and uh it, it caused a lot of problems, which I can't get into, but the point is, is that's what's being referred to here, that whole thing. And uh, President Obama was involved with it as well. And so President Obama was involved, you know, and was a friend of Bill Ayers, who was put in prison for blowing up uh, uh, various uh, places that were associated with the Vietnam War, along with that Bernadine Dorn, who in making a bomb up in a Chicago uh, apartment or, or, or something up there blew herself up. So I uh, just wanted to explain that. It goes on. It says, during his reign, Pope Benedict XVI established a presumptive permission to celebrate the extraordinary form of the Mass, the traditional Latin Mass. Pope Francis reversed this, ruling in traditionis custodis. Aside from narrowly circumscribed situations, priests are now prohibited from celebrating the traditional Latin Mass. Rome can grant special permission, but I'm told the requests are routinely, are routinely denied. The reverse has now happened when it comes to the Church's relation to the sexual revolution. Neither John Paul II nor Benedict XVI made concessions to the LGBTQ juggernaut that has brought gay marriage to the West. John Paul II underscored the intrinsic evil of homosexual acts. Pope Benedict urged greater scrutiny of seminarians to exclude those with a homosexual orientation. 
A clarifying document was issued in early January by the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, which had issued fiducious supplicants. It allows that a bishop may use his judgment concerning local conditions and impose strict criteria for blessings of same-sex couples. But the clarification insists that bishops cannot enact a total or definitive denial of this path of blessing same-sex couples that is proposed to priests. Note well, under Pope Francis, bishops are expressly denied the authority to prevent their priests from offering blessings to same-sex couples, even as they are denied the authority to permit their priests to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. And what R.R. Reno is doing here is saying, look at the two different directions things are going. In a situation in which uh, something is going against what was normally thought of as uh, something that would clash with church tradition, Pope Francis is ordering that bishops allow their priests to make the judgment as to how to carry out this blessing. But on the other hand, in something that was certainly was approved by the church, that is the Latin Mass, and was used for hundreds and hundreds of years, if not a thousand years or more, maybe 1,500 years, something like that, uh, Francis is saying that the, 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 the bishops don't have any authority to give their priests permission to say that Mass. I mean, it's, it's like contradictory. Yeah, yeah it's, it's two contradictory things. On the one hand, something that is very, very compatible with the church is being strongly disallowed, and something that is very, very iffy and uh, seems incompatible with the church is being not only permitted, but being ordered that if a priest wants to do it, they can. So, I mean, this is, this is what R.R. Reno is pointing out here, the, the direction that uh, this pope is taking uh, along these lines. It says, ordinary uh, Catholics, progressive, conservative, and in between, are not stupid. They can see what is being indulged, encouraged, and rewarded. So, as you said, Lim, when Pope Francis insists that this is not changing church doctrine, people look at this and they say, well, look at how something that's perfectly okay, that is the Latin Mass, that corresponds completely with the church. Certainly there isn't any controversy about it whatsoever as being valid. Uh, it is being pro, you know, forbidden. And on the other hand, something that certainly seems invalid uh, is being encouraged, or if not encouraged, at least is uh, being allowed and is being done in such a way that it can't be prevented even by a bishop. Uh, so they can see what's being indulged here and what is being discouraged, chastised, and punished. In other words, the, the normal is being chastised, discouraged, and punished, and the abnormal seems to be uh, approved. The pattern is clear. T. Francis bends over backward to accommodate, and he's got in quotations here, new realities. Well, the new quote, reality. yeah, the quotation. There's nothing new under the sun, right? The quotation marks new realities is really simply, you know, a euphemism, I guess, for homosexual behavior. While never tiring of wielding rhetorical truncheons against the so-called rigid and backward-looking folks who are not keen to sell the apostolic inheritance for the pottage of of relevance. In other words, uh, Reno is saying here that. Uh, 
There are a lot of people in the church who want to keep our strong traditions, our strong Catholic traditions, and they don't want to trade those traditions for seeming to be with it, you know, in modern society or relevant, you know, as the the word has been overused uh, to the whims and fads of modern society. So fiducia supplicans did not surprise me in the least, Reno says, nor did it surprise any but the most naive bishops and priests. Nevertheless, it has sparked remarkable dissent, perhaps because it makes explicit an unhappy reality. A long-established, well-recognized pattern of cultural accommodation. Uh, From the Archbishop of Montevideo, Uruguay, to the Archbishop of Nairobi, Kenya, statements have been issued that, in one way or another, amount to a rejection of the substance and implications of the latest teaching of Pope Francis. So Reno is saying here that this is causing not only a, a ripple or a tidal wave in the church, it's actually causing a situation in which you have people refusing to obey the orders of the Pope. You have, you know, you have rebellion, so to speak, uh, going on in the church because of this. It says, yeah, well, it's... Vatican is saying if you disagree with the Pope and think differently, you are causing division in the church. Yeah, Reno goes on and says, Rome wants to negotiate a concordat or concordat with the sexual revolution. And again, if you took look at the strict definition of concordat, it means a an agreement between the Vatican and some other authority, such as usually the government. Uh, in this case, uh, maybe not specifically a particular government or governments, but with uh, the secular trends of society in general in an agreement. And uh, many Catholics are resisting this agreement, and I expect the backlash to grow. The Dutch Episcopacy, which a generation ago was at the forefront of theological liberalization, has quietly cold-shouldered fiducius supplicants. And that's important here because at one time, the Dutch were at the cutting edge of all of the liberal changes that uh, were going on in society. If you go back, uh, say, 30, 40, 50 years, the Dutch were at the front of uh, all of this uh, societal changes going on. But after having seen the results of a lot of this liberal change, the Dutch are backing away from it and uh, in the, the idea of accepting fiducius supplicans, they are very cold-shouldered to it because they have seen in their own society, in the secular part of their society, what a lot of what they thought this liberal liberation would bring has turned into uh, something that has been very detrimental to their society, and people are getting sick and tired of it. And it's getting worse over there, and there's there's a lot of pushback, and they're beginning to oppose it. So they're they're very much cold shouldering this pronouncement for the supplicants. It says church authorities in Germany, Austria, Belgium, and elsewhere in Western Europe are eager, eager to make ever greater concessions to the sexual revolution. They toss aside the caution expressed in the magisterial document, which emphasizes discernment of particular situations and circumstances. Well, if you read all of that discernment, you know, you got to ask yourself, really, Uh, you know, are these cautions that Francis uh, pronounces and that the cardinals and so pronounces, 
are they really going to be listened to by anybody that wants to push this issue, any liberals that want to push this issue? And probably not. And then sometimes it makes people question, do they really want these so-called cautions to be uh, obeyed? Or is this an attempt to get something started that will go further and further in a direction of approving homosexual behavior? And that's the questions in a lot of people's minds. And certainly these people and Francis himself should have known that this would be the case. And if they knew this would be the case, why was it done? I mean, these are questions that people are asking. Maybe, you know, they really are trying to keep this in some way compatible with the teaching of the church. Maybe that's their real issue. But they should have realized that this, this, what this would cause and that this would get out of hand. Because there are a lot of people who want to take it as an approval of homosexual marriage and homosexual relationships. And they're going to take it that way. And there are a lot of people and bishops and so forth in the church that think along those lines. And Francis is giving them the rope that they need. You know, to uh, hang themselves, either hang themselves or at least maybe hang Catholic tradition. Uh, Well, (laughs) a recent statement by a group of European bishops says that priests must bless same sex couples when asked. In these circles, the church is positively required to use its sacred authority to buttress the Rainbow Reich. And of course, that's a, a nickname, the Rainbow Reich, for the homosexual movement referring to their symbol, the rainbow flag, and so forth, that symbolizes their movement. It goes on here, and it says, Father James Martin had used fiducius supplicans as warrant to invite a reporter and photographer to cover his blessing of two men holding hands. And these two men holding hands, I think, were so-called married. You know, these, these were a married couple. Uh, if you want to call you know, the church, of course, doesn't recognize uh, the marriage of, of two men. Are you and, sure about that? And uh, yes, I'm sure about that. At least the church dogma certainly doesn't. The church traditional teaching certainly doesn't. And uh, the whole idea, the whole culture that uh, Western civilization certainly has never recognized the marriage of you know, marriage is something where you have a man and a woman who form a relationship in order to have a family and children and carry on society. And uh, marriage is something between a man and a woman and not between two people of the same sex. And so that's how all cultures have always considered marriage throughout history for thousands and thousands of years. So a so-called same-sex marriage is against the secular tradition even of societies for thousands of years, and it's certainly against the dogmatic theological tradition and pronouncement of the church. And actually to change that, there would have to be a papal, you know, pronouncement. And I don't think there has been anything along those lines. The document he endorsed puts an exclamation point on a wide array of statements, gestures, and actions that encourage the church to pivot to a friendly stance toward the sexual revolution. One willing to probe from points of comedy and cooperation, the basis for a concordat. In other words, the basis for an agreement between the so-called Rainbow Reich and the church, or the so-called secular modernism, secular liberalism, and the church. It goes on here, it says, Many ironies surround fiducia supplicants. Francis portrays himself as the Pope of the peripheries, yet the gay agenda epitomizes the preoccupations of the rich West. In other words, 
it is actually, as another article in the register, I don't know if I'll have time to read it, but there's an article in the Catholic register along these same lines that is saying that Francis is always going on about how he speaks for the little people or the, the, the people on the peripheries of the church and that the, the synodal way incorporates those people and uh, pays attention to their opinions and their input. And yet this is done by the elite of the church and it's actually the people on the peripheries, the African uh, bishops and so forth, that are opposing this. And it's the people that Francis claims to speak for that are actually against this more than anybody else. And so this is sort of a contradiction in, uh, you know, in the whole idea of uh, Francis's idea of a synod is what the article here is saying. So it goes on. It says, another irony, the Francis pontificate has expended a great deal of rhetorical energy playing up synodality. Church resources have been devoted to a process that claims to hear all voices and discern new and more conservative ways of conducting church affairs. Yet fiducius supplicans was drafted without input from other dicasteries to say nothing of the College of Cardinals and other leaders of the far-flung Catholic Church. Furthermore, even a casual appraisal of the argument for this new development of the pastoral theology of blessing reveals a strange and indeed bizarre self-referentiality. He's saying here that fiducius supplicans draws primarily on previous statements by Pope Francis himself. In other words, the authority, uh, uh, the document relies on an appeal to papal authority that would make Pius IX blush and that is the development of pastoral theology by Pope Francis is authoritative because of the authoritative statements of Pope Francis. And I'm going to have to stop here and take a break, but it's saying in effect that it's sort of a dog chasing its tail. Uh, this statement is authoritative because Pope Francis has authority, and Pope Francis has authority because he makes authoritative statements that affect is what is going on here. And this seems a very strange uh, way to develop theology. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is John Hall, president of Catholic Spirit Radio. Do you enjoy our programming? Well, we need your support to keep the programming at Catholic Spirit Radio on the air. If you already give, thank you. We appreciate your help. If you haven't given, we need your help now. To donate, go online at catholicspiritradio.com. That's catholicspiritradio.com. Or mail your donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761 or stop by 108 Boykins Place. God bless you and thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio. Chicago radio personality Kevin Matthews found a broken statue of the Virgin Mary by a dumpster. His life was changed forever. Join us at Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Bloomington on Saturday, March 23rd to hear Kevin's life-changing Broken Mary story. Doors open at 11 with a light lunch available at 11.30. This free event starts at 12.30, book signing afterwards. Register on the Holy Trinity website under the Grow in Faith tab or call us at 309-829-2197. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. 
and we're continuing to talk about uh, fiducia supplicans. And I'm reading from an article by R.R. Reno, the editor of First Things Magazine, and it's in the March 2024 magazine. And uh, it's talking about the the uh, ripples, I guess you know, you might say, or the tidal wave, the the controversy that's being caused by Pope Francis's pronouncement about blessing uh, same-sex couples. It goes on here. The article says, major sectors of the Catholic Church in Belgium, Germany, and others, other rich world nations have already embraced the rainbow rite, indeed, if not always in word. In my estimation, that's Reno speaking, it is as close to certain as any prediction of the future that these jurisdictions will find ways to affirm and bless the sexual revolution not just homosexuality, but abortion and artificial means of reproduction too, as well as the closely related practice of doctor-assisted suicide. In other words, Reno was saying, I predicted that this was going to happen, that something like fiducia supplicans was going to happen, that we were moving in that direction, and that uh, this pronouncement itself, fiducia supplicans, will cause an even further movement in the direction of uh, the the liberal sexual movement, the sexual revolution, and uh, not just homosexuality, but abortion and artificial means of protection, as well as the practice of assisted suicide, will all be promoted because of this pronouncement. This is what uh, he is saying. He's saying, just as I predicted that fiducia supplicans would happen, I'm predicting these other things will happen. And that's a pretty serious a pretty serious prediction, about, the, especially about the church. He goes on. He says, I will venture another prediction. The erratic, anti-traditional, and authoritarian Francis Pontificate will destroy the modern imperial papacy and usher in a less centralized, more federalized church. And uh, by the way, there's another article, again, in the uh, Catholic Register, the Catholic, very, very, uh, Orthodox Catholic newspaper, there's another article in there that agrees with this, that says that uh, also that uh, Francis is going to usher in uh, resistance, and that resistance will cause the church to be more federalized, that is, to start acting in ways that aren't as unified as it used to be, and that Francis, is instead of getting an imperial papacy, is going to start causing the opposite of what he really wants to happen. It goes on, it says... uh, when Paul VI issued Humanae Vitae in 1968, he was trying to use papal authority to shore up traditional teaching. He failed, and in failing, he created conditions for the craziness of the 1970s. Progressives of all, progressives of all sorts, theological, moral, and liturgical, saw that, though they were, saw that, though they were de jure, Limited, they were de facto free to do as they please, meaning that though they were limited by the rules and, and legalities of the church, in fact, they were free to do as they please. And so we had a lot of liberalism and change in the church. With fiducia supplicans, Pope Francis imposes novelty by papal fiat. Past behavior suggests that he will respond to resistance with naked exercise of papal power. The effect will be to discredit the concentration of power in Rome, epitomized by Vatican I's declaration of papal infallibility and realized in the 1917 Code of Canon Law, 
which incorporated the church's life into a single legal system subject to papal oversight and discretion. The federalization is already happening. Pope Francis made an exception for China, forsaking the right to appoint bishops there. So there's an exception in the church where in China things can be done differently than they're done elsewhere in the church. Again, this is a federalization, meaning that local areas are beginning to have authority, or at least if not beginning to have it, beginning to take it, to do things differently than the uniformity of the church requires. And that certainly is not Catholic. That certainly is far more Protestant than it is Catholic. The Catholic Church has always prided itself on handing down its tradition evenly across the board all over the entire world so that the entire world would know that if something is done in one place, it's done the same way in every place. And that is beginning now to be... uh, broken up, that's beginning to be discontinued, that's beginning to change. And that is a huge change in the Catholic Church. So to say that fiducia supplicans does not change things is simply to ignore what's actually happening. And it goes on here. It says, he'll likely do the same for Germany, that is what he did for China. In the United States, his effort to limit and eventually eliminate the traditional Latin mass is being met with quiet noncompliance. Now African bishops and many others are rejecting fiducia supplicants. In other words, in the United States, we are having places where the Latin Mass is being conducted in violation of uh, orders that Francis has given. And uh, people are taking power into their own hands and doing things against the the uh, legalities of the church. And that is starting to happen more and more. And we can, on account of that, have a federalized church. It goes on, it says, Thus a final irony, Pope Francis is creating a synodal church of sorts, not by means of round tables and sharing, but through imperious methods that arouse dissent. He is battering the church into more autonomous fragments. This new form of church, not entirely remote from what was envisioned by some at Vatican II, In other words, it was the liberals that envisioned this at Vatican II, and now they may be getting it back in the opposite way that they would like it. It says uh, this, this new form of church may be less coordinated, less coherent, but it will be more attentive to local realities and thus less easily captured by the Davis elite. A very positive outcome is what R.R. Reno is saying. And R.R. Reno goes on, and he said, He says, God writes straight with crooked lines. Historians may look back on the strange career of George Bergoglio, one marked by a genius for institutional turmoil and destruction and discern the the wry smile of God's providence. So Reno sees in this maybe a recovery of the church itself in the descent. But on the other hand, of course, there's a lot of danger there too because uh, you start going on down these lines this is more and more Protestant in nature, where uh, each particular church or each particular area and so forth has a lot of authority and uh, individuality in and of itself. And the Catholic Church, by the very word Catholic, is supposed to be a church that speaks for the entire world. And uh, the, the whole idea is, is that what goes on in one place goes on everywhere. And so is that, is that a good thing or not? It's something maybe to be seen, 
but uh, Reno uh, looks at it as a means of the church recovering itself from all of these disruptions. So we'll see. Uh, it goes on here. It says, uh, it goes on. He says, after the release of Fiducia Supplicans last December, Anglican theologian and first things regular, Hans Borsma, penned an editorial in Touchstone magazine, and he pulled no punch and said, here's what he says about what Francis has done. So it's causing not only uh, a lot of uh, controversy in the Catholic Church, it's causing a lot of controversy in Protestant churches as well. And people might realize after hearing this how much a lot of Protestant churches really, in effect, count on Catholic tradition. He goes on here, he says, December 18th, 2023, and this is uh, uh, Hans Borsma writing in Touchstone Magazine now. This is not R.R. Reno. It's a Protestant writing in Touchstone Magazine about what's happening in the Catholic Church. And he says, December 18th, 2023 will go down in history as the date on which the die was cast, the date on which the church renounced the gospel's right to call us to repentance, the date that more than any other signals the church's implosion in the West. He goes on to write, quote, when the church refuses to teach the truth, when she fails to call sinners to repentance, and when she blesses homosexual unions, it is the prince of darkness she follows, not the God of the scriptures. And then Reno goes on and he says, that's not Protestant gloating. Uh, <clears throat> and then, uh, Borsma goes on again, and he says, quote, The moral collapse of Catholic sexual ethics concerns every one of our ecclesial communities, for the entire Christian world has for many years been inspired by the moral teaching of the Catholic Church. Now, that is quite a quote from, uh, I, I think Borsman, it may be an Anglican, but that's quite a quote from a Protestant saying that, the Catholic Church has inspired the entire world with its moral teaching, and more people than we think, what not people outside the Catholic Church as well as Catholics, look to the Catholic Church for a lot of stability and a lot of traditional teaching, and they're worried that Francis's pronouncements here lately, uh, and this one, the last one here being fiducia supplicans, are d- destroying or at least threatening that stability. And he goes on, he says, everyone, not just Catholics, suffers from the loss of the Catholic Church as a moral compass for Western civilization. And we've said that over and over again on this program, that the Catholic Church built Western civilization, and the Western civilization will not stand without the traditional foundation of the Catholic Church. Goes on, he says, as I note above, however, Implosion oversells papal authority. The Catholic Church, and this is this is our, our Reno speaking again. He says the Catholic Church is gathering herself to recover her voice as a steward of the apostolic inheritance. And again, there he's speaking about the fact that the Catholic Church uh, is in a situation where it is now pushing back against a lot of these papal pronouncements. And uh, he's, he's looking at that as the church recovering its authority, and I hope that that's the case. I hope that uh, Francis is getting, you know, is causing a backlash that will actually 
turn people back toward a very stable, uh, worldwide, dogmatic Catholic Church, handing on tradition as it always has handed it on, and uh, providing a stable uh, organization in a society that is really at sea and is having a, a it's suffering from a lack of uh, moral understanding, a lack of moral principles, and a lack of uh, direction, and uh, the, the Catholic Church will be there to provide that stability, and I hope uh, Reno was right about that. So, uh, we all know how much the Church has influenced everything in our cultures, and we're turning our back on Exactly. I, I'd like to read more, Lynn, from this uh, article uh, in the register, but we're not going to have time to do it now. But uh, it, it's saying that basically many of these people in the church are saying the exact same things. And they're also saying that, uh, you know, all this criticism, Francis rejects all the criticism by saying that people don't understand what he's really driving at. But he says it in such a way as if he's shaking his finger at everybody and saying that somehow people are not bright enough to understand uh the, the nuances of, uh, of this pronouncement. But, uh, you know, this is what he seems to say every time. I, I, I'll get into this a little bit more, you know, maybe, maybe later on uh, in our, some of our other programs. It leaves us with a lot of questions, a lot of confusion, frustration. I could go on to more down the list, but basically that's it. So where do we stand? We don't know. And, yeah, there are a lot of questions, and some of these questions aren't being answered. And uh, uh, some of the answers that Pope Francis has given are, are answers that don't really resolve the situation at all. And uh, they, you know, go on and, and cause even, even more questions and go on to other things. Uh, it says uh, Cardinal Mueller and others uh, are unmoved by a lot of these answers. He says the uh, blessings allowed by fiducius up the plans are an invention that have no foundation in reality. And, uh, you know, there are things that are made up and that you really can't be having a couple standing there holding hands, uh, a same-sex couple or a same-sex couple who consider themselves married, who have had some kind of secular performance, uh, you know, uh, made upon them and, Legally, you know, under our so-called, you know, state laws and so forth, they are considered, quote, married, and the church doesn't recognize those marriages, yet there they are together and they're receiving a blessing, and it looks as if the blessing is not just upon them as individuals, but upon their marriage itself because of what they're practicing. It's causing a lot of uh, disagreement and a lot of misunderstanding. And there's a lot of people, like you say, when they can't get answers to those questions that are clear— they are looking at everything that Francis is doing as if he is trying to move the church away from its orthodox and uh, its dogmatic teachings, that he is trying to change tradition. And although the Vatican denies this and has explanations that this isn't the case, a lot of people simply are beginning not to believe that. And so all of these pronouncements that Francis has been making push things along those lines wouldn't it have been, you know, I mean, Francis should be smart enough to understand that these kind of things are going to happen and that the church can be 
rocked too much by these kind of pronouncements, and they're not helping anything. Uh, what I don't understand, Lynn, is the church has always been able to bless people in general. The church always has been able to apply the sacraments to people. People have always stood equally, you know, under the rules and regulations of the church everywhere. There really isn't, in my opinion, any necessity for this pronouncement or some of the other pronouncements that have been made here by Francis in the past. Why do we need a synodal way of running the church? Why? That's gonna, is this going to break it down to every bishop can do whatever he wants, except when the Pope decides he's not supposed to do it? Well, yeah, it's, that's causing some confusion, too. I mean, you know, we can go into synodality at some different time. Yeah. There's room for, you know, this idea of synodality, of getting people's input and so forth, but the church has always been able to do that. And this, this this special emphasis that's being put on it is not something I don't think it is needed. At any rate, we're going to have to stop here uh, and say our prayer, and we'll talk more next week. Uh, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection, protection against, against the wickedness and snares of the devil. devil. May, May God rebuke him, I humbly pray. And, and do thou, thou, Prince of the, of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all, and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruined souls. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.